0: special edition of the American Shoreline podcast. This is Veterans Day, Tyler.
1: Yes, Peter, uh, it is a day in America where we celebrate our uh, fighting men and women who uh, have put their lives on the line uh, to represent and uh, safeguard our American values overseas. Uh, And today we, we
0: keep them in our thoughts we sure do, and uh, a lot of folks are off work, especially all of the federal folks uh, in our listening community, but a lot of folks are working, and we wanted to do a special show and get this out on Veterans Day today.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Monday's our, our usual uh, podcast drop for the American Shoreline podcast, and we didn't want to miss it, uh, and of course, uh, we needed to check in, check in with y'all. It's It's been a week since... Uh, since, I guess, it's we've been back for a while, but uh, last week we released our, our Galveston ASBPA uh, National Conference podcast, and uh, now we are back this Veterans Day uh, talking to you about the American Shoreline, and it just feels good to be back home and, and kind of recovered after what was an awesome conference, but boy,
0: it was, it was exhausting. <laughs> it was exhausting. We did try to do a lot of things for shows, but today's show four segments for y'all today number one we want to talk about the galveston conference and something we're calling the swag awards (laughs) (laughs) i'm really looking forward to the swag awards Um, in the second segment we want to talk about what you're going to hear on the american shoreline podcast network we got a lot of great shows coming up tyler we do we do The, the network's really popping uh,
1: lots of exciting stuff on the horizon. We needed to dedicate a segment. We like to do this you know, every month, six weeks. We'll talk about what we have cooking. And uh, we're going to do that today. We've got some really great content coming down the pipe.
0: We sure do. In the third segment, it is Veterans Day, and we're going to do a special Veterans Day segment and talk about the American shoreline and the vets and yeah. uh, the point of departure for many, many fighting women and women since you know, until we kept to the airplane days. That everybody that's went right. by ship. That's right. Segment three. And then in segment four, we want to talk about something that's a major event, Tyler, that I know is near and dear to your heart, the Malibu fire. Well,
1: you know, California uh, has having its second consecutive, uh, or I should actually say third consecutive record fire season. Uh, and in Southern California, uh, a iconic coastal community of Malibu uh, is uh, fortunately things are looking better but was in major danger and uh, we wanted to to dedicate a segment to talk a little bit about what's going on in Malibu and also kind of remind us that coastal communities are communities that are not just afflicted with hurricanes Mm -hmm. and coastal flooding and erosion Um, other, other disasters can impact them as well and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that.
0: It's not all about the water and uh, the Malibu Fire, and our hearts go out to everybody out there in California, especially up north in Paradise, where they've lost a city of 26,000 people, a lot of dead. But we don't want to start on that note. Let's um, let's jump into the show, and before we do, I think we ought to thank our regular sponsor these days, Dune Doctors.
1: Dune Doctors, uh, is a consulting firm that does Dune Restoration Consulting out of Pensacola, Florida. Yeah. Dunedoctors.com for the full
0: details. Peter, tell us a little bit about Frederique. Frederique Barisette is the owner of that company. So she's a hub vendor for all you folks out there who are bidding on contracts. Uh, Frederique's a real professional, 17 years in Pensacola. They'll take you from dune design through permitting and to construction. A great firm. Thank you, Dune Doctors, uh, for being a sponsor on the American shoreline podcast network.
1: Check, check them out at dune doctors.com,
0: dune So in the first segment, Tyler, this is the fun part. You know, we really, we really had a great trip down to Galveston at the American shore and beach preservation association national conference. And, uh, We have some bests of the conference that I think we wanted to share with the listeners. Um, There were a lot of folks there. I think the largest conference ever is what they told us.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, our first category is best plenary speaker. Uh, And we really had but one. Now, now, technically, uh, Dr. Komar did not speak during the plenary session. He was the keynote at the awards luncheon. Correct.
0: Correct, and there and there were plenary session speakers from the Corps of Engineers. Dr. Yes. Larry McKinney from, uh, from from the Heart Research Institute at A and M Corpus Christi really really gave a great speech. But my yeah. award for best plenary speaker and uh, is Dr. Paul Comer, the emeritus professor from Oregon State University, who is the author of Beach Processes and Beach Sedimentation and Processes book. And was a guest on on the show that we did from the conference, and man, what a great guy, and what an interesting person
1: if you hadn't uh, if you have not yet had a chance to listen to the uh dr komar american shoreline podcast interview, I could not recommend i think it's one of our best uh, shows uh dr. komar, who's a legend in the field of coastal science uh is uh, just so insightful he's been at it for decades and i'll tell you he's got a great sense of humor and Mm -hmm. he illuminated um you know especially for our younger listeners that are looking at uh, working in the coast uh the the science side look at his career look at the way he uh, moved from one area of study to another uh, it's fascinating. It's a great listen. He's he's funny.
0: <laughs> he's funny. Yeah, it's big, big thinker. Big I mean, thinker. From we covered a lot of ground with Paul, uh, from his work in New Zealand to his work on the Oregon coast, from his early experiences on Lake Michigan, and we ended up in this great conversation about film because he has become a film buff since he's quote <laughs> retired. Yeah, and I hope we have him on on occasion to talk about coastal science and talk about maybe talk about some film too. We'll see yeah. what, see what he wants to do. Yeah, we're
1: we're cooking up a, a show here where we're going to uh, maybe uh, it's going to be a two segment show where uh, maybe maybe now Paul we have to we have to get a uh, a hard commitment here, but you he's know war-
0: he's warm to the form in general. He
1: really is. He <laughs> he's he really. Uh, I believe he had a great time doing the podcast. I know we did. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll do half the show on some coastal science yeah. issue. The other half the show uh, will break down a coastal film, of You're which, kidding. of course, we have any number of classics. And, of course, Paul, you know, Paul... And uh, on our side, we can watch the film and come back with notes, and it'll be real fun to kind of break it down for you guys.
0: I I love that idea. I'm a, I'm a fan of it. He's his catalog is a thousand films that he's watched yeah. since he retired, and uh, so he's got a big bank of topics that we could talk about. But uh, best plenary uh, plenary speaker of the conference, I think Dr. Paul Comer. Uh, so glad to yeah recognize the,
1: this this next category of award. I think is uh, one of the most interesting, and and I would also uh, say that uh, more on this uh, next topic came up in our roundtable, which we also did at mm-hmm. the very end of the, of the conference. It was the last show we did uh, with a smattering of uh, attendees and volunteers and students and professionals. And uh, one of the things that, we, that kind of emerged was this idea of the trends that we are seeing emerge. So this award yep. is the best session slash trend, Peter. What do we well, have?
0: Well, I think on the, at the conference, and we were working, uh, Tyler. So we didn't get to get into as many sessions as I had hoped. Um, I would nominate my own session on local government financing, but that would be completely inappropriate and cheating. So, but it really was a good session on local government financial <laughs> tools for shoreline management. But, the, but I think what I saw and I think what came up in the roundtable was this idea of, look, ASBPA is transforming. They're starting to look at a different array of shoreline management responses that include more living shorelines, less of an emphasis on structures, and a broader take than beach nourishment. I mean, the organization has done a tremendous job over its history. Um uh, on understanding coastal processes and beach restoration particularly. But they're they're moving into the 21st century in terms of the scope of what they care about.
1: It is interesting. And, uh, you know, truly, I think that as the coastal science and our understanding and our, our interest, we, we begin to develop and our, be able to articulate our, our economic interests in things like the Galveston Bay, for example. You mm-hmm. know, it, it, it's not just this mysterious... Uh, marsh land that yeah you can you can modify and change i mean there are there are stakeholders that are uh, very well mobilized and um so using techniques of shoreline management that work in harmony with nature mm-hmm. um and as dolan actually said in that round table you know there's kind of a a time and a season for everything uh there's a time when mm-hmm. uh, a living shoreline but but still, the concept is that you want the whole tool bag. It's not just pumping sand. It's right. not just armament. You, one stretch, you might need one solution. Another stretch, you need another. And yeah. this is a, a, a much more nuanced type of discussion now.
0: I think it is. I think the, the toolbox is bigger. The adaptability is is spectrum is bigger. And part of that has to do what I think, Tyler, what we've been trying to do on Coastal News Today and on the American Shoreline Podcast Network is to recognize the spectrum of interests at the table. And it's no longer as simple as building a hard structure barrier, right. which is ideal for protection. If that was the only thing you needed to think about, we ought to armor the whole damn U.S. coast. But there's more to it. And we're starting to see that spectrum emerge. I think that certainly was true in the roundtable discussion. The younger engineers that were there, um, Taylor, I think a woman who won the young won the Nick Krauss Award, is right. studying Leaving shorelines in her PhD work at the Stevens Institute. Yeah, master's and, work. Master's that. work, and, and so we're starting to see that broader view. And I think that's what we wanted to highlight as sort of the, not necessarily a session, but a trend that we think is real important to the American shoreline.
1: Right. And uh, Peter, uh, let's, let's remember that with each passing year, it seems that the trend is that we hear more and more and more about how uh, useful living shorelines are to adequately manage uh, sensitive areas that uh, you just straight up, Bulkheading or armoring are it's just not suitable. So mm-hmm. uh, this is definitely a trend.
0: Indeed, and I think uh, the if you take a look at if you take a look at Louisiana and you see the massive multi billion dollars investments in the restoration of barrier islands and the marsh systems we saw it in Galveston Bay, we're starting to see these tools be deployed in ways that are quite effective. And uh, anyway, big trend. From the conference, a broader array of tools and an emphasis on living shorelines. Congratulations to ASBPA on a great conference. But the subject, I think, which is the most interesting of all, Tyler, yeah, which I think you this came up with. is the most important the, category. The most important category, best conference swag.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, every year uh, at, at conferences all over America, uh, the service providers, the companies that, that uh, do the work, certainly on the American shoreline that, that attend the ASBPA conference, come equipped with some pretty spectacular, some, some, sometimes spectacular yeah, swag. Yeah, it's getting better. now. Yeah, it is getting I better. Think it's and getting better. We thought it would just be appropriate, and we know <laughs> at least one-third of our audience uh, are coastal professionals. That, and, and the other third, I would estimate, are government uh, mm-hmm. representatives and people who work on the shoreline representing the public interest. Uh, and, and, they, then they are, the,
0: and then there's the landowner universe. And then there's that. the landowner universe. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, for any of those people who uh, attend conferences, you, you might find that your uh, bag that you are given gets filled up with, with stuff we all get, swag. So, Peter, uh, why don't you take us on a little tour of what uh, the wares were there at ASBPA?
0: Yeah, I think the, uh, is, you know, for the engineering firms and the vendors, the, the, all of the providers, geotech the, geotech, tubes. the geotech guys, the surveyors, all of the companies that come loaded with boxes of things to give away, uh, I, t- I took a scan, and we have a pile of this sitting on the table in front of us. <laughs> we came back, you know, you want to come back. Well, we respect. had to review. We have to review. That's part of the deal. Uh, th- these were some of the ones that caught my attention, Tyler. These may not be the top five, but yeah. I would say a quick rundown. And uh, I'll tell you the thing that I love, the booth I love the best, was the Environmental Defense Fund's Virtual Reality Oculus Goggles, uh, which was a 3D uh you know, put the goggles on, fly over the marshes of the Mississippi Delta, get on the boat, go down the river, the whole thing. I mean, and and from the air, it was absolutely the coolest. It's got to be on the list. Peter,
1: Peter, Peter, Peter. It's, you know, one of the things that, that uh, when you're defining what swag is, there's got to be a take home here. And, Hmm. The memory of the video. I uh, got the memory. That's well, what I'm going it's, it's with. The memory, a, the yeah,
0: experience.
1: The, it's, it it's touched not my heart. It's not. A, it's not a stuff. <laughs> uh, so
0: I would, in my official ranking, uh, that was disqualified. Disqualified yeah. at a technicality. I would mention, and you know, we all hate technicalities, but but I would say that the virtual goggle uh, experience uh, from EDF on the Mississippi Marshes the restoration. It was, was very cool, uh, but yeah, it was it's not cool. a swag not not a swag not okay a swag. we might need to invent a category for that we might need yeah. to have best experience but that that i think it would compete with the volleyball game because that I was pretty cool the
1: sunset volleyball game was such a sweet
0: experience but uh, it's not swaggy it's not swag either yeah, yeah right and uh, yeah. by the way the team we were on got to the finals we 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 lost yeah. too we got beaten by the who, who won it i think it was there were two engineering teams i think one of them got us mm. But next it was
1: close, you know. It was a really competitive, good game. Good, mm-hmm. good vibes out there.
0: We're going to crush it next year. We will. It's going to be the non-engineers, non-geologists team is going to take it next year at, right. at SBPA. Second potential award winner for the swag prize is uh, the South Padre Island uh, gave away a permanent straw with a little case, and th- and this seems like a, a small thing, but. It it lets you know that they're thinking about a very significant issue on the American shoreline, and that's plastics in the ocean.
1: Yeah, let's let's keep going, and then I'll, I'll rank them at the end.
0: All right, and third one, I think the Dune Doctors folks. Now this is probably another one that could not, maybe is technically not swag because Dune Doctors uh, offered a competition to win an iPad. Now an iPad, by and by far and away would be the coolest swag of any conference I've ever been to. However, it's only one. Does that count? Is that swag? No, what are we no. talking about here? It is a stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> if we don't all get one. You know, so swag has to be a physical thing that you take away that's widely available. Is that the swag yeah. definition?
1: Yes. And we don't it's gotta be stuff we all get. Mm-hmm. So uh, no
0: to the Oculus goggles, no to the to no. the to For, the to the iPad. It that's was, that's tough. It that's was. a tough standard. And, and
1: on top of that uh, my understanding is that the winner of that iPad was off premises and, and was not actually a, an attendee, but it was an online but entry. But had found out yeah, an online entry uh, yeah. found out through Twitter. Yeah. Um uh, and, and and won. So you know yeah, that's I've got to say if you're not a if you're not a conference attendee yeah. and you somehow get the, the stuff, that's it's hard for me. I'm not, not including swag. that. I'm not including it in
0: my official top five list. That is swagless but good. Good stuff. They now as a substitute they had they had a, a nice card holder like a, a thing you could put your business cards in. I'm not putting that on my list. I I always like to get a good card holder, but uh, that didn't quite make the list for me. The the next one I really liked because I just love these things was one of those really good machined aluminum flashlights that freeze nickels up. Uh, had and it was a very cool lime green color. I was that was on my list. I
1: think I stole yours because I have two. <laughs> uh, it's really good. I can't find mine,
0: I gotta nice. tell you, I'm looking hard. I was
1: using mine this this, this weekend. It's uh, very, it's bright, it's an LED flashlight, three AAA's really, uh, which is a standard, easily replaceable battery you can get it at any corner store. It's not Indeed. like a, a proprietary, unique right. battery, not the disc, it's battery. not some weird, you know, camera battery, right? Um. Versatile. And it's versatile. It's Waterproof. small. You can store it in your glove box. You can right store on. it in your backpack. It's uh, it's durable. It's made out of yeah uh, metal. Yeah. It's, uh, it's got a no ring.
0: It's water resistant. It yeah,
1: you could you um. can tether that to your wrist or your neck
0: <laughs> if uh, if you were concerned about maybe right. losing it in a, at night or something. Right, I, I, decent and decent swag. It's, decent. It's, Anything that lights up for me on swag is automatically in my category. And and I love shit that... Li- I'm sorry. Let's stop that lights <laughs> up. <laughs>
1: well, it's okay. We were allowed to catch on the show. But the freeze and nickels color is this really lime green, like neon yeah. green color. Yeah. And that's the color of the flashlight, which is great because it's easy to see. Indeed. So if it's in your drawer, you that's just right. can or in zoom. in your camp bag. Exactly. Bags. You know exactly where Well, it. that great, was a good... Great flashlight. flashlight.
0: The Arcadis, our friends at Arcadis. Uh, now, this, is a, this was an innovative product i would have to say that i don't actually see myself wearing this thing around however the notion is absolutely cool this was the phone charger bracelet where you could you know you take it it was the size of your wrist a big piece of orange bright orange plastic of course has the company name on it because after all it's swag but you can unplug it you can take it apart and it's a usb connector and uh there was an iphone charger and so there you go if you if you're desperate for a charger you've got it on your wrist that, that you know notable i would say another notable swag item
1: right and again whenever you're traveling for work it's not uncommon to forget your charger so uh, this is definitely a trend uh, that i am noticing is that phone accessories be they batteries or mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, charging apparatus uh, right. are we're seeing that on the swag table.
0: I mean, here's the thing about that one though. It you jump in, the, you know, if you went to Barton Springs and you jumped in, I think it's over. I, I don't know if it's uh, really resistant, that's why I'm not sure about that. I think if it's not product. powered on
1: and you properly dried it, you might, you really? might have luck. But hmm. hey, w- it, we'll have know, to. Know, test I am it. concerned about, you know, it is a it is a wearable technology. Yeah. <clears> and um, yeah. is it would it survive? You know the day to day rigors of wear, or is it maybe just maybe business trip? I'm going to throw it on so I don't have to pack
0: it. Right on. I mean, it would be good in a pinch. I'd say in a pinch, that. For sure. um, you can We can't get out of the list without mentioning the Aptum Combo Bag Water Bottle. I think in terms of swag, this was the largest item. It was a you know it's one of these fabric kind of insulated lunch bags that had a really really great aluminum. Aptum water bottle on the side, and what's even more amazing, it was filled with other swag. This was swag within swag. This is like a That's turducky. Right. Turducken. <laughs> it's like a turdu- <laughs> This is the turducken of swag.
1: It was, but <laughs> uh, these are... Uh, last year, you know... The- last year there was a bag sponsored with South Padre Island and I, I use that South Padre Island bag Did you? Uh, whenever I go to the supermarket ah. uh, here in Austin we don't have there's a plastic bag man so you, right. you bring your own and I use that it's insulated so when I get my groceries I know that they're going to stay Yeah, nice and cold oh, the insulated right yeah. I remember that one and, and this this new bag is a little bit smaller than that one so I'm, I'm envisioning keeping it in my vehicle mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, using it as a, a, a similar fashion to my uh South Padre Island bag from last year, but I this one will be for just, you know, a quick hmm. running in to grab a, a few things.
0: Or maybe or you're things. going, you know, maybe you're going to hear some music down on you know on the green and you like blues on the green and all, right. and you put a couple put a couple beers in there look, totally. because it's it's insulated. Could easily accommodate a six pack. I think I think it's big enough for that. So yeah, the aptum could a great water bottle. A
1: great beach bag. You know, you could throw throw a sixer Mm-hmm. Of beer in there with a
0: couple of limes, yeah, um, a little salt, a little salt, and you you're Remember, off to the races. Then we're darn. One. The uh, the other thing now this is a classic, and and I only mention it because you know this one's been around for a while, but it's utilitarian and, and useful is the uh, SWCA Environmental Consultants lip balm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't go wrong with lip balm. You know, we're a coastal organization. People are down at the beach a lot. It's windy, you chapped lips, they get the, you know. I, so I think the lip balm is, uh, is a good, I would say it's a fundamental. It's a building block of the swag universe. Um, but I think it's a little outdated. I'm not sure it really would be in my top five. I, uh,
1: <clears throat> you know, it, it's just so common to get chapped lips on the beach, man. And uh, I think that it's, I I love this piece of swag. Um, I love this piece of swag. I'll leave it at that. I'll come back to this in my ranking. It
0: does make my top five. Okay. Well, the last one, which is another classic, and this is another one that says, you know, sometimes the old is as good as the new, is the classic, and this is absolutely a classic, uh, Mott McDonald's uh, Beer Cousy. The...
1: uh, just classic, simple black koozie. Mm-hmm. Um, say no more.
0: Yeah, I mean utilitarian. You take that and you, look. You take that, the lip balm, and the aptum bag, and you're gonna have a good day at the beach, right, right. there. Right. And That's the right. flashlight for the, you know, to find the ghost crabs after hours with your kids. I mean, that you Correct. could do a whole vacation off the swag from AFVA. You could, you could. So here's but, my so top Tyler, five a, ranking. Okay, so yeah, I did the sort of round yeah. out thing. Now, what? Tell me what? Yeah. What? What is the top five? What are the top five okay. swags?
1: So I'm actually making a last minute adjustment because I had at five, at number five, top five ASBPA conference swags. I had the Arcadis Charger bracelet, but Peter, you you started getting me thinking about day to day wear on that bad mm-hmm. boy, and I. I'm wanting to change it. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> well you're the judge, so you I am, can you know I am. and we
0: haven't officially announced the results, so it's uh, not an editorial change. It's, it's I'm I'm throwing the flashlight on. Oh yeah. The flashlight is now number five. Great. I love the flashlight.
1: The flashlight, as we said earlier, so many uses. You can never have too many flashlights. No. And uh, this one is just great, solid, good 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 work. Well constructed. At number four I have the Aptim combo bag and bottle.
0: Really? Four. Absolutely. Okay. Right.
1: Uh, I, I foresee using this probably more than any of the other swag out there. Hmm. Uh, I tend to use that my my bag from last conference. You know, at least twice a week. I intend I, I'll, this bag will be now in the rotation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hey, it came with a a, a water bottle. It's beautiful. Uh, a nice, nice gold color it's water like bottle. Gold, bronze. Yeah. You know, big APTON logo. It See, is. And they need it's, to do and it's this. It's aluminum. It's an aluminum bottle. Right. Has a straw inside. Right. So that's a nice. I, I I'm putting that at four. Four. Okay. At number three, mm. I have the SWCA Environmental Consultants lip balm. Wow. Um, That's a surprise small for me. Small but mighty for this little guy. <laughs> uh, when you need it, you need it. And That's you, true. And you don't want to be in a situation where you've got a chapped lip and you don't have your balm. And this, it's always nice to have one. Right. Uh, especially at, a, at can't, a... Can't argue with especially it. Especially on the beach. You know, if you get in that salt water and you've got some chapped lips, it can be... yeah. Uncomfortable and it kind of exasperates the problem.
0: I think it's beeswax balm, too. It doesn't look like bad balm. I mean, it's in quality, terms of balm, it's, it's I think it's a quality it, balm. It's a quality balm. I think it's, you know, natural. I think it's spearmint, which it is really it's flavored. It's, it's well, that, that that definitely moves it onto the list. So, I, know, didn't, I didn't realize I, it was I think flavored.
1: that's worthy of three. Okay. But in the top two, we're talking right. about thin air here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in the swag.
1: we're getting up and into rarefied air here. We're in the Himalayas of swag, the Himalayas <laughs> of swag, and at number two, really, I have the Mott McDonald Classic. I'm coosie. stunned, it is solid black I'm with stunned. white lettering, all caps, simple.
0: Mm-hmm. It's elegant. a collapsible
1: version, too. It, it is, it's just a simple, it's your simple koozie, mm-hmm. but uh. You can never have too many koozies, kind of like flashlights. Okay. And uh, this one, you're gonna look good holding your beer. I would take this to a party. Would you? Black and white. It's just simple. It's a simple black boy with uh, with some uh, white lettering on it. It is. It is. I would love to drink. Okay, you can
0: tuck it in your back pocket. I would love. In fact, yeah. We should get. It's a shame we don't have a beer. (laughs) (laughs) After the show, after the show, but I'll tell you, I think it's an improvement over the old koozies. Remember the old ones that were made out of the stuff like ping pong paddle, yeah, rubber, you know, that were sort of bulky and you right. couldn't, you couldn't fold it, you couldn't put it in no. your pocket, and, and, and they, would are, your they would jam your drawer when you jam, go to when you go to close your
1: your drawer, it would jam yeah. that sucker up. So right. this, I like to run these, um, mm-hmm. especially in a hot Austin summer if you're hanging out at the yeah. at any of our beautiful. Uh, water spots. Absolutely, you, you need a you need a uh, you need a koozie that's collapsible, can fit yeah. into the into your bag, which fits uh, into the APT the Aptom bag would be a nice yeah. uh, combination there.
0: Indeed, you could put three beers and three koozies easily in the Aptom bag. Easy peasy. And we only got one koozie, so okay. What's your number? So what is your number one? We were, that's the top five. What's the number one swag from the ASBPA conference in Galveston?
1: By a mile. Buy them out. The Golden State Warriors <laughs> of swag at this conference is the city of South Padre Islands. Wow, reusable straw. Okay, this is not. It comes in a
0: uh, it's little got a carrying uh, pouch. A, a pouch. Okay, let's. let's it's almost like Crown Royal. Break it out. It's a velvet pouch, and then with in a the the drawstring. T- it is like a crown Oh my god! It is a cleaning stick.
1: It has a pipe cleaner to get in there because this is metal. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. And, wow. uh
1: And, you know, th- these will last forever, of course. And th- huh. the reason why I think this is number one is because, okay. as our listeners know, right. I think from our initial Labor Day special... Correct. There is the a Endless trend, Summer Podcast. The Endless Summer Podcast. There is a trend on the American shoreline mm-hmm. that uh, is, is that plastic straws are being banned because they get into the water, they get on the That's beach, they, they can uh, really harm... Uh, the wildlife serious issue really is it really is and it's been awesome to see coastal communities kind of rally around the idea of changing our behavior when it comes to straws now think about your average beach town it's got a bunch of bars in it you're they're doing a lot of drinks and they're putting out a lot of straws so in South Padre Island now they're they're, they'll they'll give you a straw it'll be made out of paper Mm -hmm. but if you prefer to have a good sturdy one okay this is your really. Guy. and okay I, I just think it's so cool that <clears throat> they were swag with about a that. cause
0: They're, I mean that maybe that's Correct. the fact swag with a cause. and it's your
1: full kit you got your well, you've got your main you know you can maintain it with this pipe
0: cleaner and uh, it's made out of aluminum it's black brushed aluminum it's black I mean it is quite a nice straw
1: and it's uh, it's got the South Padre wwwsopadre.com uh-huh. uh, printed on it. So you'll never forget where it came from, okay. but, but you could stick that and down into your beverage if you don't want to you know, advertise okay. while you're out and about. Well, I,
0: do, I mean, I, I'm not going to complain about your list because you're the judge, but I do have a couple of questions about the number one item. <laughs> Please Go ahead. Well, I mean, okay. As we know from Dan Martin's interview, and Dan Martin is the host of the uh, uh, Next Gen Waterfronts podcast, we were talking about how people get to the beach. And he said, you know, by and large, 70% of the people who go to the beach don't fly. But my question is, if you're on an airplane and you're going through security, you got a metal pipe and a metal pipe cleaner. I'm like, what it's do you think that the explanation would be at the at the secu- at TSA? Because there's a lot of things people could think that could be used for other than being a straw. I mean, I think it's got, I think it's got TSA problems.
1: Well, I think that the answer to that is to educate TSA on the ways of reusable straws, oh. and they're going to get used to it.
0: I think if you have the the bag, which is the velvet bag that would help because it, it the pouch says South Padre clearly is beach related. It it is, and uh, those of us fortunate
1: to pick one of these these straws up, I think. I mean, I think it's great. I love South Park. I stand by by my top five. All right. uh, If if any of the other vendors would uh, (laughs) feel like they weren't represented,
0: they can email us and make a case why (laughs) they should be on the
1: top five. If you
0: have some swag that did not make the nominations list or Tyler's top five, and just to review, Tyler, the Tyler top five... the Arcadis charger bracelet was no, removed. We removed that. We now have the flashlight. Flashlight. The nickel, no, it's the Nichols freeze flashlight. Correct. And I'm totally like that. Number four, the Aptum combo bag and, and water bottle. Great combo. A stunning uh, yeah. pick at four. Number three, the surprise, I think one of the surprises, the SWCA Environmental Consultants lip balm, uh, spearmint flavored, by the way. Spearmint. And number two, the Mott McDonald Koozie, another bit of a surprise. And number one on your list was the SPI, the South Padre Island uh, permanent straw with the cleaning uh, brush. Yes,
1: the, the pipe the pipe the cleaner. Pipe cleaner. It's like a bristle brush. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's also reusable. Right. Uh, great piece of swag, South Padre. Right and uh, for that, you get the number one spot on swag Tyler's the cause. top list.
0: That's fantastic. Well, that was the highlights from the conference for me. I, I think We've covered both the content and we've covered the swag. And next we're we're going to need like
1: a year to get back to it.
0: <laughs> need, I want to see some upgrade in swagger. And I'll have to say, we had a booth. Yeah. And we didn't even make the list because mm-hmm. we had some candy. It was Halloween. We had, it was feeble. I would give ourselves... A, I would say that on the swag scale, we we were probably near the bottom. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, we need to we, upgrade. We our had game. no swag. We, we we, were, was, well, so, I mean, we did. We had some. We had a few candy bars. We had we had a few things. Yeah, I, uh, edible. I, mean, I, I I think
1: if it's edible, I don't know if it goes as swag. I'm gonna have. Really? To, I'm gonna put that into wow. review for next week. No kidding. I, I my sense is though. Then. So edible items no. is not swag not unless it comes in like if it's a tin of mints huh. i would cons- i would give that because okay. cuz you could keep the tin right you would take that back with you but if it's a can if it's a little button candy and you're going it's halloween and you're like oh you'll eat that right there that's not a swag
0: oh man
1: that is i can't swag. believe we were swagless i thought we had some swag well we we didn't it's yeah. just that simple. But Mr. next President. year, next year we will try to do some swag.
0: You know, it's the first conference for Coastal News Today in the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Uh, we'll have to go to the Vice President of Marketing uh, to talk about this. And and but first, we'll have to get a Vice President of Marketing. <laughs> anyway, speaking of, <laughs> let's do our uh, let's let's yeah. talk about our next sponsor listen i think this is actually important for the listeners out there we do want you to know about this uh coastal news today as an as a website is as it will be live two weeks on thursday so it's 10 days old right now and i think the website is really looking great great tyler you built this website from the bottom up and uh it was a it was an effort i think it's a great site but there is a lot of advertising space built into this site and uh, coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network is something we want to do forever. We want to continue to do it, and we are—we've got a great audience that's booming. It I is. think in the first week we had twelve thousand visitors to the website, right. and uh, and that's in the first week with very very little outreach. So we we want to tell the folks out there, contact us and get your company in front of the best coastal listenership out there. There's nobody else who is covering the spectrum of things we are and i think there's a great ad opportunities uh on the website and we we frankly need the support we think it's a good quid pro quo it's good for us and i'm damn sure it'll be good for y'all
1: we got three principal ways of getting your company on our programs yeah uh the the first of course is that you can advertise on this very here podcast yeah sponsor Uh, a podcast get, get get on uh, you can do that. We have a uh, a dedicated show where we will do a, a, a show with your spokesperson or CEO or, you know, someone who can tell the story of your company called Meet the Pros. Yeah. Uh, that's a really cool opportunity to build a relationship with your clients and your future clients and distinguish your company. So we think that you all mm-hmm. might be interested in that one. Get in on that. We also have our website, which... Yeah, I have to say we have been overwhelmed by the outpouring of support yeah, for been bringing back Coastal News Today and launching the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Yeah, the audience is building week over week.
0: It really is, and
1: we are so excited to start getting advertisers on there and start let's share your company with this audience. That's why yep. we're building it. Yeah, uh, we want to talk, tell the story of the American Shoreline and and <clears throat> build a platform where. Uh, the companies and uh, pe- you know the, the people out there who do the work on the American shoreline can can share what they're doing and uh, and, and tout their accomplishments. Yeah. And so uh, the website is great. But the final thing, Peter, is we have our daily... Well, it's not quite daily yet, but it will soon be daily. Yep. Our, but we have our email blasts. If you're mm-hmm. on our... Uh, uh, Email list. You you receive Coastal News Today emails, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, that is another place Dune Doctors uh, yeah. it advertises there currently. Uh, but we are looking for more advertisers there.
0: We are, and they, and you know, we'll be sending out about forty thousand emails a week when we hit our stride here. Uh, and our and list is growing. It's, I mean, growing. it's growing rapidly. The, the list is growing rapidly. Uh, it, it. And here's the thing about why I think this advertising stuff matters. I mean, having worked with local government officials, Tyler, you and I, uh, purchasing professional services in the coastal arena is a complicated thing. Um, If you talk to a city manager or any city council member from around the country and said, you know, we want to build a road, we need to hire an engineer, or we're going to build a building... They have an intuitive understanding of what the guys do who build the roads and put up a building. They kind of know about it. They've experienced it. They know how to look at a set of plans. But first time local government officials or the public, when you start talking about buying professional engineering services on the coast of America, um, you're talking about hydrology and technical issues with lots of modeling, and they don't know what mott mcdonald does they don't know who freeze nichols is they don't know what they do professionally what issues they have to uh, contend with they don't know what the universe of permitting is so this is a universe of services that and one of the reasons i like coastal news today as a platform is because so many of our listeners and readers on coastal news today are local government officials this is where you have to teach them who you are and I'll say that's especially true for Aptum. I mean, Aptum is a company that has just emerged. Right. Uh, it's gone through a few transitions, and I'm not even 100% sure who's in Aptum anymore. Yeah, we'd love to, we'd love to <laughs> learn more. We ought to have but him on, on Meet the Pros. So, uh, you know, at the conference, one of the
1: cool things, we got to meet some of our listeners. And uh, one guy came up uh, who works in local government. And he said, you know, I would love to learn more about these companies who we do business with. Right. Um, what what distinguishes right. Company A from Company B? Right. What is their culture like? You know, this goes beyond the normal mm-hmm. uh, government procurement process. And but that's what they're looking for. These they are. these decision makers are looking for all available information. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: we're we're we've built this platform as a tool for them. Yeah. And. Uh, I, and I know that so many of these coastal companies out there, be they, we don't, I won't name them all uh, no. on the pod, but be, they do fantastic work. They put their heart and souls into what they do, and we want to tell their story.
0: We do, and, and part of the challenge is the visibility of the professional services offered. Uh, and I'll say this, there's lots of public meetings where we have gone to where the public is engaged in a discussion of engineering design on the shorefront or a serious discussion of what is the problem on the shorefront. Think of how different that is. If you're not going to have a, a public meeting where you're going to discuss the construction design of a road or a roadbed or why the building is got this particular type of support structure that's not th- – th- there's something about companies that operate on the American shoreline that face a particularly unique, visible challenge, which is how do you describe what it is you do when people are not intuitively aware of what it is? And I think that's why Meet the Pros is a perfect platform to to explain. And I think it's – I really am looking forward to the first phone call and the first – we've got a couple engineering companies I've been talking to about mm-hmm. – Jumping on Meet the Pros, but uh looking forward to doing the first interview with the uh with the engineers and talk explain what they do. Right. It, I think it's gonna be a really
1: cool uh show on the network. Uh it's purely sponsored content, but it's great content. I think it's we would not put it on the network if it wasn't if it didn't have all of the uh insightful mm-hmm. uh you know, information that we think our listeners want and uh, it's going to be a really quality show. So uh, looking forward to that, Peter, let's, uh, let's transition now and talk a little bit about this, the awesome content. Speaking of what we're cooking up, yeah, we have some awesome content coming down uh, on ASPN here in the coming weeks. Uh, so let's, let's go over it, Peter. Let's
0: do so in segment two folks, what's coming up on ASPN. I, we, we won't, go through everything but we wanted to draw your attention to a couple of shows you'll be seeing in the next week or so and the first one is I am so happy to know that Dan Martin uh, from Chicago uh, the host of the Next Gen Waterfronts podcast and Dan is the economist a recreation and tourism development specialist he's super super smart he recorded his first show I think I want to say it was in Green Bay Wisconsin I can't I'm not 100% sure, but Dan's first show is in the process of being edited and coming online, and I'm just thrilled that Dan is finally going to be on ASPN, and I'm looking forward to his contributions down the line. We need, uh, as, as we have been saying
1: now for, for a while, and those of you that have heard him on, on the flagship show here, uh, Dan looks at the American shoreline through the lens of value. Mm-hmm. And in ways that, how do we manage it, and what what new ways can we value it, and how do we value it, and it's it's really a statement of uh, our society and certainly our management practices. So uh, he's, he he and you know anybody that's tried to have anything built on the American shoreline mm-hmm. knows that the value like uh, figuring out the dollars and cents uh, is a huge part of the project yeah. before yeah. you'll ever get financing before you'll uh, go into design you need to see if the concept is viable and, and dan does that so mm-hmm. it's, it's great that he's got this left brain right brain yeah. uh, balance in his economics approach and i think he'll just be great
0: he's going to be really good and and look dip over into coastal news today the website there are several articles that are relevant to the consideration dan brings to the table and uh, and i just want to check it out uh, the second new show that we've, uh, will have up soon, this one's scheduled to be recorded on Thursday. So in a couple of days is Rob Nixon's Nexwell podcast with Sean Thompson, former world surfing champion. This is, uh, one of the godfathers of
1: modern surfing. Uh, to this day, he, he's, he lives out in, on the West coast. He's a, uh, just an icon in the surfing community, and Rob Nixon will be having him on his show uh, to talk about the advocacy. And um, Sean has a legacy of uh, not only being a absolutely stupendous surfer, yeah, innovator, and innovator, but he's also a, a, a true advocate for uh, shorelines, not only on the American shoreline but all over the world. Uh, it'll be it's an honor to have him it on is. the network.
0: Absolutely, is 1997 world champion. Lives in uh, Montecito, California now, but from South Africa, he's very busy around the world. He works on he works with youth around the world on setting goals and. He's a and TED Facebook. talker. Yeah, he's he's uh, fantastic. You Google him up
1: and listen to his <coughs> TED talks. He's he's awesome. He's about you know positive energy and kind of uh, how to how to spiritually frame up. Uh, Your, your, what does he call it? Catching positive, the positivity wave.
0: Yeah, the positivity wave. So he applies,
1: you know, some of these life lessons that he's learned surfing um, to life. And it's just so cool to, I mean, he's just a great guy.
0: Well, Rob Nixon, way to go and getting Sean Thompson. If you want to Google him, it's T O M S O N, Sean Thompson. Uh, Get ready for that show coming up on Thursday.
1: S H A W N.
0: S H A W N. W-N-U-N, first name? S-H-A-U-N, excuse me. me. Sean Thompson uh, on the Next Well podcast coming up. Right. And I want to put in a plug for my show on the Local Control podcast. I'm in the process of of putting together two shows that deal with post-hurricane recovery, and I'm calling it post-post-hurricane recovery. Uh, We spend a lot of time and attention on these storms as they're headed toward the American shoreline. We all watched Hurricane Florence for days as it approached the Carolinas. We watched Hurricane Michael. It exploded from the Yucatan Peninsula to a Category 4 storm in about three days. So that one we didn't get to watch too long. But... Look, it's, it's already off the radar screen. We've moved on to the fires in California. We've moved on to major news events, the elections and other things. But let me tell you, the people impacted by these events are just beginning to unravel how they're going to deal with the impacts from Hurricane Florence and Hurricane Michael. So we're talking to folks in these areas who are just now starting to put their lives back together Uh, We're going to be talking to folks on the interior of uh, the Florida panhandle, the farmers and the ranchers who were were impacted by the storm. I mean, Tyler, people don't realize this, Hurricane Michael, which they're just now reevaluating and potentially is the Category 5 storm at impact, with a storm surge now being reevaluated based on the U.S. uh, most recent USGS assessments of evidence on the ground at 20 feet. Um, was a huge storm and was a category three storm when it got into Georgia. I mean, this thing was a beast. And we're going to talk about about that storm and how it's going from here. I hope we can continue to cover Michael recovery. And then over in the Carolinas, the very different, big, sluggish, sloppy, wet hurricane of Hurricane Florence that dumped more than 20 inches of rain all over the Carolinas and inland and caused massive flooding. I want to That's what's coming up on the the Local Control podcast. Peter,
1: uh, I can't wait. Uh, Peter's Local Control podcast is awesome. Uh, We also did, if you haven't yet checked out his show uh, with the Galveston Bay Foundation Advocacy Director. Scott Jones. Scott Jones. uh, Really a great interview. Um, I encourage all of our listeners to go back and and listen to that episode of Local Control. You get a flavor of what Peter's doing there. And boy, uh, post-post-post, Hurricane coverage is uh, something that we we that's kind of I think going to be increasing our our niche in yeah. in these storms. You know, CNN goes in they they blow in blow out like the storm, but right. boy the the real story just kind of lingers and and yeah. we will cover that.
0: I you know it's it has to do with what happens to all of the money and the funding and how do local governments? You know this is where I, for my the ang, for me the angle on local control podcast is really how the local governments fit into the state federal system and our local needs getting met and we want to talk to city managers and county commissioners and the landowners out there about how it's going and how the system is operating and it is it's post post hurricane uh, stories sounds great peter let's let's talk about uh... yeah and your show you've got a great one coming up i'm looking forward to hearing
1: well with the holidays approaching uh on the The next episode of the Beach Shack will be the Thanksgiving Day special. I know that uh, many of our listeners will have busy family days, but I think we can all agree that there are times when you want to take a little break.
0: That's right. And And uh, why
1: not take a break to a beautiful beach house in the state of Maine up there? And uh, I'll be uh, sharing some stories about a a family that uh, is actually near and dear to the network, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll spare the details for now, but we have a really special festive mm-hmm. uh, Thanksgiving Day show uh, in the works for you uh, that will be on ASPN.
0: On, on the Beach Shack podcast. On so the I'm, Beach Shack podcast.
1: I'm looking forward to that. On the Beach Shack podcast. And that's
0: going to be a special show too because I think it's that connection between property ownership and the experience of being on the shoreline, how the shorelines have transitioned the risks and benefits of being a property owner on the American shoreline. I I love that show. Yeah. Uh, The fourth show we wanted to highlight, and this one is scheduled and is also in recording this week. And uh, this is another incredible get. Uh, Derek Brockbank, host of the Capitol Beach podcast with U S Senator Tom Carper. Yeah.
1: I mean, any uh, coastal federal representative, from the House or the Senate would be a big get, but boy, mm-hmm. starting out with the senator is amazing. Uh, senator Carper uh, is is one of the senators from uh, Delaware. Uh, he has a long history of uh, being an advocate for co- for funding for for the coast. He's advocated actually for a, a coastal national park in Delaware. Yeah, uh, he's he's an important figure in our federal policy, and it's. Apropos that uh, Derek opened uh, the Capitol Beach yep. with such a bang and interview. Yeah,
0: high standard. Absolutely. Right there. Uh, uh, Senator Carper was re elected to his fourth term last week. So he's got a little breathing space. His election is over. Uh, it's also important to, to, to recognize that uh, Senator Carper is a Vietnam vet, a uh, member of the United States Navy and was a Navy flight officer, uh, served three tours in Vietnam. So thanks for your service, Senator Carper, uh, to on this Veterans Day. Absolutely. Um, well, Veterans Day. Uh, so there's other great shows coming up, but those four I think are worth mentioning. Is, there, do, is that all of them? Did we miss one? That is all of them, right? right that's, all, yeah, of that's I mean, all of them I that we're going to highlight
1: the podcast network is expanding we are adding hosts we are uh the, we have so much so many cool ideas coming down uh mm-hmm. that we think will just kind of light this network up um and yeah. so this is just a this is just a smattering of a few but uh expect the network to continue to expand we're we're, we're adding new hosts. We're adding new
0: shows. And new subjects. And, and again, for the listeners out there, thematically, what we're trying to do is present the complexity and the spectrum of interest on the American shoreline from a number of different perspectives, uh, from the advocacy community, the engineering community, uh, in public beach access, in recreation, from the perspective of local governments. I'm really looking forward to a series I'm going to do with local Barrier Island mayors. Um but I think that's what we're trying to do, Tyler, and I think we have a ways to go to build a, sort of a soup to nut spectrum of shows that will really uh, fill in and connect people's understanding of the American shoreline. That's what we're trying to, yeah, trying to do. absolutely. But it is Veterans Day, Tyler, and I think this was a great idea. And, and, and uh, in preparing for the show, you said, you know what, I really, really want to talk about Veterans Day and, and, and how the... Uh, U.S. military operates and has operated in the important role of our coasts, and right. uh, and uh, it's appropriate. And um, well, I,
1: you know, I was I was thinking about on on uh, Veterans Day how uh, our coasts have have been a symbol of our nation uh, in so many different ways for our veterans. Um, they are our our bulwark for for hundred. 200 years they were a bulwark against uh, our enemies the, our enemies would have to sail over and uh, we would armor and have forts and and yeah. that's where our veterans our soldiers would be stationed to defend the homeland um, and then as uh, the century turned and we moved into foreign wars uh, beginning with World War one our, our fighting boys our dough boys would, yeah. Uh, be shipped over to, in that case, Europe, and later in World War II to both Europe and around the globe, to the Pacific Theater as well, um, through these major American ports. You know, the, there was no major transportation by aircraft yet, so no. um, uh, every veteran of those wars would have passed through the American shoreline to leave America. The American shoreline was our border That's right. with the world.
0: And, you know, we, I, it's funny, but we were at the American Shore Beach Conference. Of course, we were at the Galveston Island Convention Center, which was built on top of World War II gun emplacements. There were these massive concrete uh, sea fortifications with huge cannons, and those, of course, were decommissioned long ago, but these big concrete things were sitting on the shoreline in Galveston. And uh, Tillman Fertitta put the Galveston Convention Center on top of it. Just one example of sort of the reuse of these coastal fortifications over the centuries. The Presidio has gone through a major transformation. George Lucas's Lucas Films is now in the Presidio, which was the guardian fort for the San Francisco Bay. Fantastic right. place.
1: Well, it's, a, it's a beautiful park now. And yeah. I mean, and if you go to... I mean, you think about uh, American history... Uh, whether it's uh, the Revolutionary War, whether it's the War of eighteen twelve, whether it's the Civil War, um, the American shoreline is a character yep. in these conflicts, both as defensive uh, positions and 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 uh, Gibraltar's, you might say, against yeah. invasion, yeah, um, but also as launching off points when. Uh, <clears throat> American soldiers were uh, being sent away sent to conflict. So, uh, you know, we, we, I felt like it was appropriate to, to talk a little bit about these people um, yeah. who went through. And, and you can imagine uh, leaving for war would have been one hell of an experience. Mm-hmm. You can also imagine coming home, you know. Right. Yeah, the, home would be seeing that land on the ship Right. And passing through the harbor, maybe you see the uh, the Statue of Liberty, or maybe it's the, the Golden, Golden Gate, Gate Bridge.
0: Right, iconic photos. Of but you know your home, and, and that's
1: in knowing your home, and knowing you're coming back to America, having survived the war and having done uh, your duty. Uh, must have been just an incredible experience. I, I can't say it would be a happy experience, but I, I, I imagine it's powerful. The kind of powerful, for sure. Uh, and the the American shoreline was the uh, venue
0: for those yeah. for those emotions, for those experiences. And yeah. here's some things that we thought very few people probably know, but are really interesting about the connection between our veterans and our fighting men and women and coast of America, but. During World War II, there was something called the War Shipping Administration. This was a federal agency that was created during World War II. And the troops and cargo that were shipped overseas uh, were under the auspices of the War Shipping Administration. And they took control of every merchant ship in the United States. The United States government requisitioned all of the commercial shipping capacity that the United States has, the war shipping, every
1: every vessel, every port, every, every port. shipbuilding facility,
0: yep, the piers, every, the, you know, the shipping piers, the shipbuilding, yep. and and this is how the United States ran the war was to, you know, this this was the projection of force that the United States had available was its shipping capacity and its shipbuilding, and all of this stuff. But the the War Shipping Administration takes control of all of that stuff in February nineteen. 42. And here's a couple of stats. So we've dug through the warshipping administration records a little bit. And we're looking at the ports of departure, like the top 10, where did our fighting men and women during World War II depart? You know, they weren't getting on a jet and flying over to, the, to Europe. They weren't flying to the Pacific on an airplane. They were going by ship. And the number one port of departure with 38 million uh, tons of War cargo was out of New York City during the war, and this is between 19, February 1942 and uh, August 19, uh, December 1945. 38 million tons of war cargo out of New York City—a major point of departure for the troops. And uh, in second is this
1: is San Francisco mm-hmm. in the uh, Pacific Theater. In the Pacific Theater, so so it, it's clear that. Uh, our war apparatus was flowing from the homeland into the theaters of war right. through New York and San Francisco in massive
0: quantities. Peter, let's look at, at, the, I mean, at the individual people. I mean, if, you, well, if you look quickly through, through the West right. Coast, the Port of Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Seattle together were 30 to 47 million tons of war equipment through those three ports. On the East Coast, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Hampton Roads, Virginia, those were about another fifty billion million tons of cargo coming through the war. It's these shipping ports that were under control of the Federal uh, War Shipping Administration that did that, uh, literally taking command of all of the ships, uh, merchant marine ships of the United States. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the people is a, a, another uh, passengers that were sent. Where did they leave from? How many people left the United States during World War II and where did they leave from? And of
1: course, people who were leaving the United States during World War II were soldiers. These are yes. These are uh, <clears throat> servicemen and women who are going Uh, overseas to wage war
0: yep and similarly the port of new york 3.2 million americans went to war through the port of new york city this is between december 1941 that is of course the pearl harbor attack month through the end of the war in uh, december 1945 that's and but 40 uh, at 3.3 million people out of new york and the second greatest point of departure uh, San Francisco. One point seven million Americans went to war through the, through the port of San Francisco. What's What's interesting uh, about
1: those numbers is that in New York, in nineteen forty three and nineteen forty four, as the war was really escalating in Europe, mm-hmm. uh, the numbers at, in nineteen forty three nine hundred and ten thousand people, in nineteen forty four one point four million. From New York. From New York. And it, 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 it it's a statistic that shows oh. the emphasis on the European theater in those two years. And by contrast, San Francisco, which was the primary uh, port of embarkation on mm-hmm. the Pacific theater, right? Um, there's kind of a state from 42, 289,000 uh, people. Yeah,
0: 1942.
1: In 1942. In 1943... Uh, Four hundred and fifty-six thousand people in nineteen forty-four, five hundred and thirty-four thousand people. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's it was more of a a, sl- a slower ramp up, uh, and and by nineteen forty-five
0: the number dipped down to four hundred and fifty thousand. But that's out of San Francisco alone uh, on the out west. Of, coast. Only
1: San Francisco, yeah.
0: Right, and there were bunches of people leaving from Seattle and uh, from Portland, in Prince Rupert, British Columbia. Um, Los Angeles was at over 200,000 Americans, including my father, who went to uh, Casablanca with the Army Air Corps Um, in 1944. He left from Long Beach, California, which I guess is probably what they mean there by Los Angeles. And he left, uh, married my mother and left two days later. Uh, But uh, in 1944, 75,000 men left the United States to go to war out of of L.A. So you know, as we uh let, let before before I do the
1: concluder here on this uh on this subject, Peter, let's look at this uh this final chart.
0: Yeah, I mean this is this just strikes me when you think about how many men we currently have deployed around the world in the United States military. My father was a thirty-year Air Force uh uh, officer and I, my three four brothers all served in the military in Vietnam or in the Navy. my little brother uh, and let me just shout out to my brother Colonel James Ravella, uh, who's retired now but an f fifteen e pilot and damn good pilot uh, now works for Folds of honor, an organization that supports uh, veteran veterans and their families. If your father or mother is killed in conflict for the United States, folds of honor comes in to pay the college tuition for your children. And it's a great organization, Folds of Honor. You might check them out at foldsofhonor.com. But uh, what stunned me about looking at World War II was that between 1943, late 43, and into 45, two, more than 250,000 Americans left by ship to go to war every month. That was the monthly average. More than 250,000 Americans were shipped off to war. Um, and, you know, that is, was a world war, of course, massive. But, you know, this is a thing where you stop and say, "We, you, you can't thank the people enough who, who fight the battles for our country. I mean, it's an amazing and, commitment.
1: And, absolutely. And um, from our little place here uh, on the American Shoreline Podcast Network, uh, we, of course... Remember that the American shoreline uh, is the place where gun emplacements were. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are remnants. There are uh, old forts. But it's a reminder of you know. It's it, there's a there's an interesting dichotomy of our uh, kind of rem these remnant mm-hmm. gun emplacements from World War II and and these things and there we are on the shoreline, which is this shifting sands of time, place, right? And it it really is, you know, I it really is kind of a, a moving and uh, deep, yeah, uh, philosophical thing to think about about our our time on the planet, or how long our, our nation has been around. The sh- you know, right. absolutely, our freedoms and our ideals as Americans, uh, and how those play out on our shores uh, are interesting you know any american that immigrated to the united states uh, you know in the in the old days mm-hmm. came <clears throat> by boat they did and you know i'll never forget my grandfather telling me when i was a kid and he was kind of educating me on american history you know, he said, you know, we were very fortunate in the early days of our country that we were surrounded by two oceans; that we had mm-hmm. the the Great Atlantic on one side and the, and the vast Pacific on the other. Right. Um, and any European, any any of the other powers that might think of of coming over would have to first fend off that that ocean and tra- right. and just a tremendous expense to get over there. And Indeed. and that kind of allowed the American experiment to uh, to grow without. Uh, and, and to happen without being trifled with. Right. And, um, and of course, the shoreline is that borderland between that yeah. buffer. And mm-hmm. I think that there is something connected between our identity as a nation and that space, that, no that border with infinity.
0: You can't tell the story of American history in any way, shape, or form without the land-water interfaces, as you said, as a major character in the story uh, my grandfather came in 1911. We were looking and looking through Ellis Island records to try to find my my grandfather from Southern Italy, Giuseppe De Vella, and we found out. And it was through the internet, a friend, a, a person unknown to me, sent me the record of my grandfather's arrival because he came into Boston. Five million immigrants came, Italian immigrants came through Boston in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and this. History and our story of of immigration into the United States through the great seaports of the United States is another you know iconic characteristic of our country um, so i you know I just think that it's important on Veterans Day to talk about the shoreline and 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 it 's not trying to put a spin on Veterans Day. This is how we went to war throughout our history was through our seaports and through our, uh, our our coastlines and it's uh, it's great to acknowledge all the guys who I mean, you know standing on the deck of those boats, watching New York fade into the background, knowing you're going to fight. I got to think is a pretty powerful.
1: The last thing experience. you would see, yeah, when you when leaving America to go yeah. to war would be the American shoreline, and yeah. the first thing you'd see when you got home, if you yeah. were fortunate enough to make it, yeah, would be the American shoreline. Right. So there's it's inescapable that yeah, uh, the American shoreline has an important. Uh, piece to play in the in the story of our veterans, uh, certainly historically, and uh, we wanted to just take a minute to to think about them.
0: Yeah, and and acknowledge all of the commitment and the time and the energy of all the people who have uh, served the country uh, in uniform under arms is uh, it's a tremendous thing. And so, well, uh,
1: I I wanted to um, qu- we're we're running long on time, Peter. We are. Um, uh I'm glad we we took a minute there to talk about Veterans Day. I also wanted to take a quick minute um, and give a quick update on this this fire in Malibu. Um, as our listeners are no doubt aware, uh, it's been a uh, the past few years have just been tough in California. The fire season, which is a common thing, has just been particularly uh, yeah,
0: ferocious. Uh, ferocious. The word and, I keep hearing. yes
1: yeah. And and you know, uh, there's interestingly, you know. The, uh, in, the, in a similar way that we hear uh, coastal managers talk about climate change and the challenges that are coming up uh, on the American shoreline, with that, mm-hmm. um, forest managers in California are uh, dealing with drier uh, forests, with windier wind. It's windier. It's uh, the uh, fuels that have been uh, accumulating over years and years and years have uh, added up. And uh, it's a, it, these fires can get going yeah. and move very quickly. And uh, the good news is that this Malibu fire uh, seems to be uh, moving toward containment. Um, the bad news is is that uh, this is a community on the American shoreline, uh, home to uh, many surfers and uh, people who love and use the uh, beach yeah. and ocean. And uh, many many people are uh, kind of in a, in a bad spot now. They've there were, have been a number of homes that have been lost. Th-
0: yeah, thousands uh, in the state. I mean, we're right. over six thousand destroyed homes in California. Now, some of the vast majority of that is in the inland right. Sierra Nevada community of uh, of Paradise, right. uh, California. But the Southern California fire is. Is hot and heavy and still going as far as we know. I think you're right. It turned the corner today. Well, it's, the, the winds,
1: the wind, the winds are still ripping, but they're they're blowing in a slightly different direction. But you know, one thing to keep in mind is is uh, when fire threatens a coastal community, the the safe place is the beach. And yeah. um, it's interesting that in parts of Southern California, as the fire approached, wildlife and people. Uh, headed to yeah. uh, the people to Zuma Beach in the parking lot, where there was you know enough of a break between the hills and uh, the the sand there and the sand the the beach area where the, of course the fire wouldn't spread. Right, um, and of course uh, there are just kind of ghostly photographs of of wildlife. Uh, this picture that Peter showed me earlier of a of an owl sitting on the beach, the sandy beach. Seeking refuge from yeah. the, you know, undoubtedly his habitat had been burned, and yeah, he's yeah. just just hanging out on the beach, waiting for that fire to blow by, and then and then hopefully he can find a place to settle down.
0: Well, I think we when we were there last summer, I I think what was the name of the place, the restaurant we went to, was it Neptune's?
1: Neptune's net,
0: and uh, that's located in one of the great surfing beaches in Southern Cal. I can't remember. That's
1: County Line, which is a, a just a. Again, great iconic surf spot um, north of Malibu.
0: Hmm. Well, hopefully, if but, we get but to burned. go back, it oh, burned. Did it? I, I, I don't know it. if the
1: restaurant itself was lost, but uh, mm-hmm. County Line area and a number of the uh, there's a, there's quite a few like mobile homes tucked up in there. You know, we always think of Malibu and these mansions and the mega rich, and you know, yeah. they they're absolutely those exist out there. But um, you got you have to understand that there are. Uh, the people that that uh, serve, uh, that clean houses, that you know do the lawns and are ranch hands and uh, plumbers, etc. Mm-hmm. They and their families live oftentimes on these big properties in outbuildings and in mobile homes and in RVs. Right. Uh, a lot of retired people tucked away. There are actual mobile home parks and it, it tucked away in there and. Um, as you can imagine, those people feel it particularly badly when when these fires rip through and just take everything.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think it's, it's interesting, and it would be interesting to do a post-post fire uh, and compare what it's like, the experience of folks who went through Hurricane Michael in the panhandle of Florida and inland into Georgia and the fire victims in Southern California coast. I mean it's an active and dynamic environment and uh man i don't know it's it's a challenge it's a challenge and i just uh our hearts go out to all the folks who've been affected by these disasters and you know hope uh hope for the best and hope our federal response folks are as solid as they can be and uh help make it better absolutely well, we ran a little bit long today, um, but uh, it's been a while. We, we, we were at the conference, but we want to remind folks to t- t- take, a t- take some time and, and get to know the American Shoreline Podcast Network. We've got more than 20 shows up on the network now, believe it or not. And as we mentioned earlier, many new great shows and new hosts coming online. And, uh, you know, I, w- I want everybody to know, we, you know this, that none of the podcast hosts that we have... Have ever done any of this before, and nor have we. So we we are in a learning curve. I call it spring training. <laughs> and I, you know, I know uh, we're a little bit frustrated from time to time on figuring out all the technology and how to get this as good as we can. We're getting better, and uh, stick with us on ASPN uh, I think it's going to be a great network. It's I think it already is a great network. And it I'm is looking, looking forward to to that happening.
1: Yeah, I, I would echo all that. You know, we're we're working really hard to get. Better and uh, one of the ways that we want to get better is to uh, make sure that our uh, sound quality and um, all of you know when we're doing uh, when our hosts are conducting interviews that everything comes in crystal clear so that so that uh, you can really hear the conversations that are just so great. I mean that's the thing is that this the content we know is there. We know that there that these conversations are so insightful and useful for for our audience um, but we we really are are working every day to make sure it's uh, we are doing it as best we can um, and when we don't quite get there we just say okay how can we improve that and we work right. on that we, we try to be better at it every single day
0: yep and I want to say to Jenna Valletta, our host of uh, uh, the Sea Change podcast out of Boston and Jenna did a really great show with some great guests uh, her Chesapeake um, we we messed up on the technical setup of that interview and apologize to jenna uh, she really wants me to take that show down and i haven't had the heart to do it because i love the conversation she had even though it's got some glitches and if you're a listener out there um you know go online and rate these podcasts and let our hosts know how we're doing uh you know we're trying to get get better but this subscribe to coastal news today subscribe to the podcast network wherever you get your podcast and review and rate the shows we we're looking for that engagement as we build this thing out and um, we've gotten some great comments uh so far we've gotten some folks who've pointed out some of the uh areas for improvement areas for improvement so we're and we're open to that um so check out coastal news today and look for those of you in the uh in the service provider business uh, whether you're a uh, tourist development council and you want to promote your area your region on coastal news today and the american shoreline podcast network please contact us there's advertising contact information on the website or if you're an engineering firm or geotech firm or a vendor and provider there's a lot of folks out there i think Moby matt we're looking forward to talking to you Um, And other providers of access products. um, Come on to Coastal News today. You'll be talking to all the right people. Uh, Tyler, thanks for pulling this show together and thank you for for making this focus on uh, Veterans Day today. I think it was especially appropriate and good. Thank you, guys. (laughs)